0: This is episode number 74 with Dr. Georgine Nanos. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I hope that this episode is reaching you at a time when you and your family are all doing well we are in unprecedented times, and this is actually we have an international audience of the show being downloaded in over seventy countries, and so uh, this is this coronavirus is a worldwide issue. And I record out of San Diego, California, here in San Diego, as of today on March twentieth, where I'm recording the introduction to the show. We are on lockdown. And uh, it started on Thursday night, it was announced. Um, but we, we've we been social distancing, at least my family has for over two weeks now anyway, um, depending where you're tuning in from, you're either in a similar situation or uh, you may be heading towards that, especially if you live in the United States. Uh, Today's guest was actually a guest back on episode number seven, and I'll link it in the show notes. Today joining us is Dr. Georgie Nanos. Dr. Nanos is a family physician who's been practicing for 18 years. She is the CEO of Kind Health Group, which specializes in concierge primary care, telemedicine, and virtual health coaching throughout the world. Dr. Nanos received her master's degree in public health focused in epidemiology from Boston University. So in addition to being a physician, she has this advanced training, which is actually what prompted me to bring her on the show. Uh, Dr. Nanos has been named as a top doctor in San Diego by her peers for nine consecutive years. She's a medical contributor to the Washington Post, Forbes, NBC San Diego, KUSI San Diego, Telemundo, and other outlets. So very happy to have her expertise on the show today. Basically what we cover is what this virus is, how it spreads, how long it lives on surfaces, um, how you can best help yourself in the community right now, uh, what kills the virus, what symptoms might look like, uh, whether from mild to severe, uh, how the virus impacts children and what we need to know about kids around coronavirus, and so much more. So before we get into the actual show, two very important pieces of information. The first is that we recorded this interview on Wednesday, March 18th. So the data is really only as good as the data it was recorded because the information coming in about the coronavirus is really changing day by day, which is why there are so many different updates on the virus. And it's actually why Dr. Nanos is doing her own uh, YouTube channel daily with updates because it is changing so frequently. And I'll link that in the show notes. The second thing I need to note, which I do with every health related podcast is that this is for informational purposes only and not intended to serve as medical advice or replace your relationship with your trusted healthcare provider or doctor. I hope that today's interview is very helpful to you, that it's grounding. It helps you not feel panicked and just more informed. And I'm creating other bonus content. And so I'd encourage you to just hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you are tuning in from today. Uh, This way you'll get all the updated uh, and bonus episodes that I'm doing real time. And if you have yet to tune into episode number 73 and you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or have got all your mind just feeling out of control right now, I have 15 tips to calm your mind of anxiety and overwhelm and all the feelings that we're all going through. Um, And I will link that in the show notes as well. So on that note, let's get into today's conversation with Dr. Nanos. Hi, Dr. Nanos. Thank you for coming back on the show today.
1: Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to hear your voice.
0: Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice. And I was telling you, mine is a little raspy. Today. I've sort of lost it. Um, so could you just take a minute, just briefly, just give us an overview of your background because you happen to have extra cred- credentials, which is re- is the reason that I actually reached out to you to come on today.
1: Sure. So I'm a family physician, I'm board certified in family medicine, I've been practicing family medicine for over 18 years. I also have advanced training in epidemiology, which is is the science of how diseases are spread and public health. So that background has been I think very helpful to a lot of people in the last few weeks and so I'm helping to get good information out to the public as much as we can, reliable medical information, which is a little bit hard to come by. So Um, So I'm happy to be able to do that for our community.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you are here. And I actually saw you on the local news with your uh, COVID swab (laughs) before anyone else had them, but we'll get into all of that. So I really want to start with a foundational understanding because I think there is so, like you said, a lot of information, a lot of misinformation. So you are a reliable source. So let's just get into it. Let's just start at the very basics. Please explain what this virus is. What is COVID-19 or what they're calling COVID-19?
1: Sure, so it's a strain of the coronavirus which has been around for a long time, but this, this is what we call a novel strain, a new strain of it, meaning it has mutated. And you know, most of the time these, these viruses um, originate in animals and then change and can be transmitted to humans, which is what we believe has been happening here. I don't think it's a biological weapon or some diabolical master plan of somebody, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some nation. This is just part of nature and how things evolve in nature. And we do see this all the time. What's happening right now that's uh, particularly worrisome is we don't have a treatment, we don't have a vaccine. Mm -hmm. And for young and healthy people, they are not going to have as many serious implications and complications from this disease. But for our older adults over 65, and for people with um, underlying health complications, such as or health conditions such as heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, diabetes, people who are immunocompromised, who have, may have cancer, or being treated for cancer, uh, those people are at much higher risk because um, what can happen in their situation is that they can experience pneumonia and advanced complications from mm-hmm. this upper respiratory illness. And this attacks the respiratory system primarily, starts with. Like you would with any cold or flu-like uh, uh, disease, you might initially, you know, if you have mild disease, what we're calling mild disease, have a headache, a sore throat, a dry cough, um, maybe a low-grade fever, feeling achy, tired, like typical flu-like stuff. Yeah. But if you are, if your immune system and it is compromised, and you're not a healthy individual or you're older, that can develop into a pneumonia or a more serious. Lung infection that can then affect the uh, oxygen delivery to your uh, to your vital organs, and that's where people get into trouble. Mm.
0: And I know that we're all social distancing right now, and when it's interesting because when I reached out to you, we weren't, we weren't, um, and so now that we're trying to protect this vulnerable population and do our part, uh, it's still very uncertain and a little bit confusing. Can you? explain how the virus is spread
1: sure so it is currently spread through what we call person-to-person respiratory droplet contact and what that means is that if someone is sick and they cough into their hand or sneeze into their hand or they get any um, you know secretions from their face their nose their mouth into their hand and then they you shake their hand or you hug or kiss them Um or they come in direct contact with you, in in some other way. Then you are at risk for getting that disease. Mm. Um, they also, the the virus can live on on uh, metal surfaces for. Well, we are now learning a pretty extended period of time, uh, the thinking today. And I, I preface everything I say with what I said yesterday may not be valid tomorrow because right. it does
0: change. Wait, let's note when we're, what's today's date? March 18th. So we're recording 18th. this on March 18th. And I'm. I may re- I may release it. I normally do it every Wednesday, but I just, because things are changing, I may just release it this week. So...
1: I think that would be good because yeah. it'll probably be null and void next week. <laughs> yeah, so I
0: probably will escalate when it goes out. So, did you say on metal, metal surfaces, or so any? So on surface? metal, any
1: any metal surface, I believe, or I should say, stainless steel metal surfaces, it can last potentially twelve hours. It can last on some clothing anywhere from six to twelve hours, um, and so you just have to think about. What your hands are touching, because Mm -hmm. the way this is transmitted is we we come in contact with the virus through our hands, or direct contact, you know, hugging and kissing someone um, who may have the virus. But it's your hands, and that's why we're talking about hand washing. So Mm -hmm. we end up touching our face inadvertently over 200 times a day. So if your hands are infected, you put your hands right to your mouth, your nose, your eyes, That's how you could potentially get it. And so that's why we're so strongly emphasizing hand-washing at every single opportunity and really just having everyone essentially stop their movements and stay home Mm. for as long as possible to get it under control and, um, you know, protect these vulnerable people out there.
0: Definitely. And you, okay, so let's talk about... um, what kills the virus. So hand washing for our hands, if we've contacted it on our actual hands, but you talked about surfaces, what's known, or actually tell us besides soap and water, what kills it on our hands and then what kills it off of surfaces and then also how do we wash our clothing to make sure it comes off of clothing?
1: Sure, so warm soap and water is gonna be your number one best defense. So Mm -hmm. if you can't, if you don't have access to warm soap and water, then hand sanitizer or using some alcohol-based wipe, ideally greater than 60%, is going to also kill it. In terms of our clothing, it it dies from, again, what we know today. There was an article published in, I think it was in the New England Journal of Medicine.
0: Mm.
1: Actually, scratch that. (laughs) I don't remember where it was published. That's okay. I don't want to say that. That's okay. Um, And so there is some evidence to suggest that Um, the virus dies at temperatures of greater than 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you can just normally wash your clothes in a normal, you know, hot or warm cycle, you know, I'm a terrible laundry person. I wash Mm -hmm. everything all together on hot (laughs)
0: because
1: I don't really care. (laughs) But, um, so if you can do that, that, that will kill everything. It it dies in a normal wash cycle.
0: um, But warm, but at least warm, not a cold cycle. Yeah.
1: I would not do a cold cycle. Yeah, I would do kinda of hot on everything and Preferably you know, hot. But does the wear, dryer kill it? I don't know if you put things in the dryer alone. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. So I would just recommend washing things
0: on Un- hot know. right now. It's not
1: going anywhere. So yeah. don't wear your fancy dry cleaning stuff right now.
0: Right. And
1: this <laughs> you wash everything on hot.
0: Okay. So we're gonna wash our clothes on hot, not even warm, ideally.
1: Honestly, we yeah. really just want everyone staying home. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. All non essential activity of any kind is really, yeah, we, it's not advisable right now.
0: Okay. So let's get into this too. This is to protect the older population. Can you explain this bell curve that I've seen and what's happening out there and why we are social isolating? Because I think some people don't fully understand and aren't really yeah. practicing this because they don't really get it. They're like, well, is it really that big of a deal? So could you explain this?
1: Absolutely. So I get this question a whole lot. People asking me, is this an overreaction? You know, are, are people really unnecessarily panicking about this? And the people who are asking me that are young and healthy people, mm-hmm. and inevitably. So what? when we hear this term flattening the curve, what's happening is we want to slow this down. And a lot of healthy and young people um, may be what we call asymptomatic carriers where they actually do have the disease, but because they're young and healthy, they may not have any symptoms or very mild symptoms, and they're unknowingly transmitting it to other people. Mm -hmm. Every person has the potential to infect two other people Mm -hmm. that you you may not even know. And so I would like everyone who is thinking that right now to stop for a second and Think about other people and how this is affecting other people in your community. And, um, you know, think about your parents and your grandparents who may be in that older population or your friend down the street who may have diabetes or is recovering from cancer. All of these people that you may not even know are at risk if you are not taking these precautions right now. So we all have to get on board and do exactly what we're asked to do. So we can make it stop sooner or at least slow it down. And the and the other part of slowing it down is we're trying not to overwhelm our healthcare system, which is already was stressed to the max before this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're if you have mild symptoms, if you're not really, you know, suffering too badly and you can stay home, that's what we want everyone to do. We don't want any, if you're feeling sick, I don't want people to panic and run to your emergency room or your doctor's office because if you're exposing other healthcare workers and other patients then you're you know essentially you're going to wipe out potentially a whole ER or wow. or a you know medical office that then has to go into quarantine and can't help other people. So that is the big big message right now. Do not go to the ER or to any medical office unannounced. Call or email ahead of time.
0: Absolutely. This is so critical and I'm so glad you just said that. So let's help break it down even further because people are freaking out, right? There's so much fear right now and they're like, oh my God, what if I have it? And so even young healthy people are freaking out. I know some aren't. And then there's others who are whatever, middle age or whatever, who who are, are concerned, like suddenly their throat hurts or they have other symptoms. So if you're seeing sneezing, runny nose, post-nasal drip, is that a part of it like i think people aren't able to discern and then they start worrying and just wish they could get tested so what could you say about well,
1: that yes sure so uh, it it could be part of it we just it, we just don't know and we don't have enough testing to go around if, ideally if we could test every single person in this country and we had 350 million t- tests we'd be doing it but we just don't and so and the testing isn't right now, because there's, it's so limited, isn't going to really change anything. So everyone pretty much has to assume they have it at this point okay. and stay put yeah. and and not engage with other people and, and take that level of precaution. Um, if you have a runny nose or, you know, these upper respiratory symptoms a cough, sneezing, it, you could certainly have it. You could also have a regular cold. You could have the flu, and you have to bear in mind, even if you don't have it, you don't want to be spreading any other infections to anyone else at this point, who will suffer from being, um, you know, immunocompromised, and their immune system is, is is weakened by other illness as well. So we have to keep that in mind too. It's not just about COVID nineteen. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other infections that also go around mm-hmm. in the you know normal in normal course of of our human interactions. And so limiting those is also going to be helpful.
0: Yeah, no, this is so, so helpful to hear and understand. And just to recap what I'm hearing you say, you may have symptoms. Assume you have it. If you're well and not having trouble breathing, right. Or anything that's really like an emergency situation, stay put, keep in touch with your healthcare provider. Am I hearing you correctly? Okay. So let's just, that is exactly right. Okay. What do we know about kids and COVID nineteen? Because there's information so, saying kids aren't getting that is getting it, is it true, or are they just getting less symptoms, or are we being like, oh great, my kids not gonna get it and are not actually paying enough attention? What are your thoughts on that?
1: So kids are getting it not in the same level of severity as we're seeing in older adults. So kids, young adults, they were seeing either they're asymptomatic carriers, they have no symptoms at all, or very mild symptoms, we're not seeing the serious level of complications that we see in older adults and and unhealthy people or people who are having, you know, underlying health conditions. Um, And so that's a little different than what we normally see with, for example, the flu. The Mm -hmm. flu does affect the really young and the really old, but this seems to not affect the really young as much. Mm -hmm. But the worry is that, you know, we get a false sense of security from that. And, you know, kids are spreading it around to their grandparents
0: and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So you just want to be really careful about your
1: kids' interaction with these older adults.
0: Yeah. Um, Let me ask you too, in your household, doesn't it seem like it would be impossible not to pass it? Because So what's the incubation period of this thing? Because you could be asymptomatic, you could uh, be developing it. So how long does it take to develop? So let's say I touched a a metal handle going into the market, touched my eye. What's the course that in terms of when it might show up? Because, you know, at that point you could be, it seems to me that Whoever's in your yeah. house, there's no way to protect them. That's my sense, but maybe that's and not true. I,
1: I think you're, I think you're right though. And the incub- because it's such a long incubation period from two to fourteen days, yeah. that's why it's spreading so rapidly because it has such a long time, and you can have so many interactions in that time frame if you're not careful. Um, which you know, has, this is where we are now, and yeah. that's the point of why we're, in, you in know, enforcing, trying to enforce all of these measures to have people stay home. Yes, it'll probably spread within your family. Um, that is a likely scenario because of the close contact we have with our family members.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And it's like, uh, yeah, I, I had uh, like some post nasal drip and I wasn't, I was like, oh wait, what if I have it? And my daughter's like, can I hug you? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're a, I'm a hugger. We're a hugging kind of family. And I was like,
1: I know, I know. And that's, that's so hard. And, I don't know. I the, but as much as you can limit that close contact, the better. but as we get more and more cases in the United States, we have more data to extrapolate from on on our national level, but mm. we are we were obviously initially getting a lot of this information from countries that are a few months behind us in this in this um in their level of exposure,
0: okay. And I think I was asking you, okay, so if I get it, um, what's the course? like so it's let's say it shows up five days later. Is it like the flu, where it's full on, or or no, depending on how severe you're getting it? Like, if you're getting the severe thing, what is the? Take us through what that looks like.
1: So, again, it depends on your underlying health condition. Okay. Um, for a healthy person, we would expect that you would get um, these. Sort of mild or upper respiratory symptoms that I talked about: mm-hmm. um, runny nose, congestion, cough, dry cough, um, you know, headaches, fever, uh, sore muscles and joints, and then that may be it. And but there's possibility that someone could also develop into a pneumonia um, or have difficulty breathing. So that's. That's the part that gets a little worrisome, or not, mm-hmm. I should say, not a little, a lot worrisome. Mm-hmm. So, and then from there, you know, you'll have other complications. But again, like the vast, vast majority of us are going to, if we get it, we'll be fine.
0: Yeah. And I
1: keep saying this over and
0: over. No, I know you don't, you want people not to panic. I I watched one of your YouTube videos that you've been doing daily and thank you for that service that you're offering people with information. But one of the questions that I know came in was, should I gargle with bleach? Like like when I heard, I was like, oh my goodness, like people, that just shows the level of fear, but also people aren't thinking like, yeah, is that I was know, that a that real question? Freaked me
1: out. That freaked me out. Was that <laughs> no, a real? No, these are real questions that people have been asking.
0: Okay, so I have compassion for anyone who's thinking that. Obviously, the answer is no. You will die. Like no, I mean, <sighs> just take care of yourself. Um, how long does it linger in the air? Do we know that? Like, if someone's sick or whatever, do air HEPA air filters work? Do we know about cleaning? This came in from my community about cleaning the air.
1: So it's going to depend on where you are. It's going to be easier, you know, they'll be less likely to have spread if you're outside. Um, but there was, this was the article I was talking about in the New England Journal of Medicine yesterday, that it can hang in the air as an, as aerosolized for up to three hours, which wow. is longer than I had originally thought. Um, and again, this is one study that was just recently published. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we have just one study, we can't, necessarily always extrapolate it to the entire, you know, the entire population and and to the entire behavior of the virus. So, um, but this just came out yesterday and I, you know, I think we just have to, this is another reason why we're just taking all of these extreme precautions and making sure we do have these social distancing uh, behaviors in place for everybody and really just having everyone stay home. Um, mm. Just because we the the information is literally evolving every minute, and
0: right. we are trying to be proactive as best we can. Totally. How do we clean our floors? <laughs> Somebody else asked this. <laughs> I'm just giving you the questions from my community now. So here we go. Um,
1: you know, I I'm always I've always been kind of a freak about um about germs and infectious diseases because I'm more exposed to them than the normal person mm. throughout. You know, since I've been in medicine, which is more like half my life, mm-hmm. but um, so I try not to like wear my shoes inside the house uh, that I you know have had outside. As soon as I get home, I tend to like change into other clothes, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I I wash my hands immediately. I've I notoriously have always had four uh, little containers of hand sanitizer in all of my car doors, mm. and so. From like the beginning of time, everyone made fun of me, but now they're like, hey, can I get one of those?
0: <laughs> You're like, actually, no, sadly, you cannot.
1: It's yeah, I'm like, impossible no, these to are find any. Oh, Yes. And so I, I've always, you know, made my kids wash their hands. Of course, now I'm much more stringent than ever, but, you know, kids in my house, I'm like my kids would wash their hands. You hear the sink go on for about four seconds mm-hmm. and then it's off and then uh, you know, they don't do anything. And so really getting on, on your kids and everyone in your mm-hmm. household to, to comply is, is really important. Yeah,
0: And can my you kids s- have
1: even been known to turn on the sink and not even put their hands under it so <laughs> I can hear the water.
0: <laughs> They're on to you. They know you. They know you're yeah, listening. Not
1: anymore. Not anymore. But it's happened.
0: <laughs> but the floors, I mean, steam clean them. Oh, the I yeah.
1: No, I mean, I I don't think there's only so much we're going to be able to do. I think that's just going to create a lot of extra stress. Just do your normal cleaning routine, really.
0: It's just... um, Yeah, leave the shoes at the door if you can. Leave the shoes at the door. Yeah, leave the shoes at the door.
1: Mm -hmm. We don't want to increase our level of anxiety and panic.
0: Totally agree. Okay. You mentioned the testing kits. I think there's a lot of questions about the testing kits. Give us an update on where we're at um, and obviously, it's going to vary state to state in terms of what's available, but what can you share about that?
1: Sure. So right now, we have a, an extremely limited supply of tests, and that includes medical clinics and the hospitals as well. And so we are reserving those tests for people who need may need hospitalization and critical care um, to inform our decision-making on how to take care of them. If you are a healthy person, even a person that may have symptoms that are, are potentially worrisome, you may not get tested mm. um, because we literally don't have enough tests to go around. And so everyone freaking out about whether or not you're going to get tested is, is not helpful. Um, you can assume that you're not going to be tested and, the recommendations will remain the same. It's not going to really change much if you mm. do get tested. We're still going to tell you to isolate yourself. You know, you know, use supportive measures at home to take care of whatever symptoms you're having and don't leave the house and infect other people. None of that's going to change whether you're positive or not, unless, of course, you're having life-threatening complications, um, which is a you know, different scenario. But for most people... You're not going to get tested. Yeah, at least that's today, March
0: eighteenth. <laughs> March eighteenth. Okay, no, that's important. Let's note the date. And so, the people who are eligible are the people in the high risk categories, and people who have tra- who had traveled, I imagine, to those high risk areas, high risk countries. Who's who's on the list of qualified? Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, and
1: and or. It, honestly, I haven't looked at it today. I don't know what's
0: changed, changed. Yeah.
1: but that's what it was. Um, but I imagine as our as our healthcare system gets more and more overwhelmed, it's going to be harder and harder to just routinely test people um, like that because there's so many more important things that we need to address. People, you know, who have other health concerns that are overwhelming the hospital system and the medical clinics. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know how realistic it's going to be, just because we have such a shortfall of tests.
0: Okay, so if you are though in one of those categories, what do you do? The high risk categories? Do you call your doctor, and they may or may not have tests anyway? If I'm understanding you.
1: Correct. Most of them will have a very limited supply and very strict criteria, and it's going to depend really also, like you said, on your geographic area, what the local spread of disease is, where you are living, um, and you know your exposure. Um, so, it's going to vary quite a bit. So, you want to, e- ideally, if you can email your doctor, that would be best because I know their phones are overrun. Um, so, that would be my recommendation.
0: The last video I saw you do, and I'm sure this changed, it was three to four days to get back a result from the swab. And if I understand correctly, the swab's done either nasally or in the throat. And Correct. is that the case still?
1: So this is why testing is not very useful right now because it's not a rapid test. So if you're waiting three or four days to get a result, just because you were tested doesn't mean, you know, that you, you could go ahead and even if you tested negative in that moment, 10 minutes later, you can get it for someone else and pass it on. And so, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, similarly, if you, if you test positive and you don't get the test right away, you know, there's just a big time lag there. So, the testing is being getting so hung up on the testing is not useful to us yeah, right now. Totally. Or as a as a you know general.
0: As you, you the, the broke up can, when you said that as testing. as what as in, in the medical community it's not helpful for the doctors right now in the hospitals for people. It's not be...
1: helpful for anyone to get yeah to get really hung up on testing. I need a test. Why can't I get a test? Right. In medicine, we think a lot. Of, we have we just thousands of tests we can do for people. Um, For virtually any condition, but we have to think about what the implications of those tests are. Are they really going to change the final outcome? And in this situation right now, your advice is still going to be the same. If you're really sick, you're going to still be treated the same. So it's it's not very useful to get worked up into that panic about testing.
0: Okay, that's helpful. Let's talk about managing at home. So if people aren't well, anything that's being recommended in terms of this has came from the community too, especially for older people, uh, medicine, supplements, anything that you can offer in terms of home care?
1: I think limiting the amount of social media and news that you're in, it can be very panic inducing. So kind of limiting that, trying to get outside if you can, obviously don't congregate in groups, but being outside is, is can be helpful and therapeutic, Uh, you know, going for walks, meditating, um, doing things that are going to help ease your anxiety, I think Mm -hmm. are probably the most critical right now. Mm -hmm. And as I said before, if you have chronic medications that you're taking, make sure that you have um, those all refilled at this point so that you don't have to worry about that down the road.
0: Yeah. And if you're in the high risk group, should you not even be running to the market? I mean, people need food and
1: I would say if you can have someone else do that for you, that would be ideal. And Mm -hmm. this is a good time to reach out to other people in our community. Um, If you can call on an elderly neighbor or friend or someone who you know shouldn't be out and help them out in that way, that that would be a great thing to do.
0: Dr. Nando, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think is worth leaving the people listening with today?
1: Um. And again, try not to panic. Um, think about others. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Practice social distancing. Stay home. Don't leave the house if you don't need to. Um, we are setting up. Uh, we've always had this available, but we're now opening this up to the general community, uh, virtual and telemedicine visits through our practice. If you need to get a hold of a doctor for any you know, routine issue, it's going to become harder. We anticipate in the coming days, so we're available for that. Um, And yeah, we just, just look out for one another. You can also follow our YouTube and podcast channels for daily updates. And yeah, just be safe and use common sense. Be thoughtful of others.
0: You've been amazing. Thank you for your service. I'll be linking everything in the show notes. And I so appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that it was very useful to you. And all of the show notes will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 074. And I hope that you will tune into the episode that I did on calming your mind from anxiety and overwhelm. I give you 15 tips and I've actually gotten a lot of great feedback on that. I guess it's been helpful to you and it was relatable, uh, which makes me happy to hear. So thank you as always for tuning in and I'll look forward to reconnecting very soon. Bye for now.